this morning. Happy Father's Day to every one of you dads. On Father's Day, this may be appropriate, uh, we're going to look at King Arthur. Uh, Legend of the Sword is the name of this film. We're going to compare and contrast with Scripture. What we do in the Box Office Wisdom series is we take the themes from current movies and then we look at what the Bible says about the the same theme. Sometimes we compare and contrast the wisdom of uh, the movie that it's offering, how life works, and we look at how that compares to the Scripture. Today we're not doing that as much. Um, It's really uh, a pretty good, pretty good story. Um, Classic battle between good and evil. I saw the film on Wednesday. It was research, message research. Um, And it starts with a a battle between Vortigern, Vortigern, these names are interesting, Vortigern, uh, and his brother, I can't remember the brother's name. (laughs) I don't know the story that well, but I watched the movie. Um, So anyway, the scene opens, and Vortigern, who is the evil guy, getting his power from the dark, deep, dark place, literally. Um, He is assassinating his brother, who's the king, because he wants the power. He wants to be the king. And in that scene, little Arthur barely escapes. He, he escapes uh, because his, his father basically sacrifices himself so he could live. So there are great themes in the movie, really good themes. Um, so after Arthur escaped, he's raised in a brothel in Londinium. It's the name of the city, Londinium. And uh, he's raised in a brothel there, not really knowing his royal lineage. So he doesn't know that he's a royal. And as he's raised, even, even though he's raised in a brothel, his character is stellar. He's a man of character who cares for people, and he's always trying to protect and help the people around him. So he gains quite a reputation with his neighborhood that he grew up in. In uh, Londinium. Here, here's the trailer to the movie. It'll give you a little flavor of what it's like. Hell's Keep Vortigern! Why is the horse dropped? There are rumors. The legend of the sword. Of a king other than yourself. Find him.
was Vortigan who murdered your father. But what you can account for is what you can do with his sword. You need to be careful. His power is increasing. When people fear you, it is the most intoxicating sensation a man can possess. You're starting to mean something. You're no longer a myth. Raise that sword! Show the people the power of Excalibur! You're playing with fire. But doesn't it make the palace burn well? There you go. Now, you're not going to find my review in the news or in, in uh, you know, on TV, but the movie was a little hard to follow, just like that trailer. You're, you're going, wow, what's happening um, as the story moves along? But a focal point at the very beginning of the story is King Vortigern's search for Arthur, who is a threat to his throne. He's a threat to his power. So he begins to search for him. And the proof of his identity is that sword in the stone. And the one who's able to pull it out of the stone is the one who is its rightful owner and the heir to the throne. And so what Vortigern does is he lines up all the men who are of the right age in uh, the in his kingdom and they're they're going through and they're pull you know <clears throat> you know can't yank it can't yank it and then finally of course you know you probably know that part of the story king arthur is able to pull the sword and the stone he has the power that's where he gets his strength is from the sword excalibur and after he pulls the sword, then he's struggling to decide whether he's going to engage in the battle against Vortigern so that he can gain his rightful rule over the kingdom and really become a blessing to the people under him. So there really are some great themes in this story, some really good themes, but I couldn't help but wonder as I watched all the guys lined up, you know, trying to yank the stone. <clears throat> what if you're what if you're one of the guys who can't pull the stone, the sword out of the stone? Wow, you're not you're not the you're not Arthur. You where do you get your power from? Where do you get your strength for the battle? Where do you find your help? What about everyone else? What about the normal guys who can't pull the stone cuz I would be one of them. So I'd like to spend the rest of the time in this message looking at the story of another king, King David from Scripture, who shows us 
where to find strength in the Lord as we engage the challenges of everyday battles. There is real help from God as we walk through our days. So we're going to look at King David to draw where we to see where we can draw strength. In the epic story of his battle with the giant man Goliath, David David shows us where to draw strength for the battle. The Philistines they were enemies of the nation of Israel, and at one point they'd invaded Israel's territory. They set up camp inside Israel's territory with the intent of conducting a siege. They were going to take over. And so the king of, king of Israel at the time, Saul, he, he marshals troops and draws a battle line. And so you have the Philistines on one mountain. You have the Israelites on another mountain. And there's a valley in between. And so the battle lines are drawn. Uh, and what would happen is every day a giant of a man, literally a giant of a man named Goliath, would come out and challenge the fighting men of Israel. So Goliath was nine feet, nine inches tall. Six and a half cubits. Cubits is the measure in scripture. And incredibly strong. The tip of his spear weighed 18 pounds. Now, I, I would have a difficult time throwing 18 pounds, but that's the tip of his spear. So here's the challenge he issued to the Israeli fighting men. First Samuel 17, 8 through 11. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for the battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Basically, you wimps. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard the, these words of the Philistines, or of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. This was originally written in Hebrew, and the word dismayed gives you a better picture of what's going on in this scene. It means to be broken by confusion and fear. That's what it means to be dismayed. So the idea is you're whimpering in fear like a coward. So this nine foot nine guy comes out, just, you know, a beast of a man, and he's challenging them and they're cowering in fear. They're whimpering about it. To be afraid here means to be terrified to the point of dread. So they're terrified and they're just literally shaking. Basically, the challenge from Goliath caused them to experience terror in every part of their being. So it's, it's going down to the core. I've, I've felt that kind of terror. Get surprised in a movie or something's going on in your life and you're just, you're shaken. You're shaken by it to the core of your being. That's what's happening in, in the men of Israel. 
And maybe you're not terrified of something going on in your life right now, but you dread dealing with it. Maybe you're afraid to dive into it or to engage it or to walk into it and try to figure out how to how to handle it. Is there a challenge that's breaking you down today? Is is there something in your family, in your relationships, at work, with one of your kids, or in a friendship, that is, you, you dread dealing with it. You, ah, oh, I just, I don't really want to engage. I just want it to go away. I want to back off. I don't, Lord, would you just take it away from me? I don't want to do this. I know, I know what I need to do, God, but I really don't want to do it. Is there something like that going on with you right now? Is there a battle that you need to engage? Later in the chapter, it says the same thing again. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were very much afraid. So David arrives on the scene while this challenge from Goliath is going on. He's the youngest of eight sons. I know, I know what it's like to be the baby. Generally, they're, well, okay, I'm going to speak for myself. I, I was really a baby, okay? <laughs> David wasn't quite like me <laughs> at the time. But anyway, he was the youngest of eight sons. I don't know why I went there. I digress. Um, but what's happening is his three oldest brothers are, they followed Saul, and they're at the battlefront. They're, they're in the group ready to fight the Philistines. And while the battle lines are being drawn, David was out tending the flocks of the family as a shepherd, and that turns out to be his training ground. We'll find out about that a little more in a minute. Uh, But one day, his father Jesse sends him to the battle camp to take some sustenance, some food to his brothers. And while he was there, David overhears the challenge. He, he's there at just the time when Goliath is, is coming out to offer this challenge to the men of Israel. And they're shaking in their boots and cowering in fear. And, and he hears this challenge. And here's his response. David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? This is, this is pathetic. Israel are the, they're the people of God and they're, they're afraid. And it's a reproach to them, to their reputation, and more importantly, to God's reputation. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this? I don't care if he's nine foot nine. We, we, are God's people. We have his help. It's normal. He asks a normal question, doesn't he, at the beginning there in the first part of that passage, that verse. It's normal to want to know what the guy who defeats the enemy gets for the win. <laughs> what do I, what's my reward? But he doesn't stay there. He expands his concern to include God's reputation. In the whole matter, he sees exactly what's going on. 
he, he sees that the people of God are being challenged by a man and they are backing off from the challenge. And, and this is an important thing to understand. If you want to find strength for the battle, you must be concerned with something beyond yourself. You must be concerned for something bigger than you, not just your own life, not just your own self. With this thought, David goes to King Saul and asks to fight Goliath. In the conversation, he reiterates his concern. Your servant, verse 36, has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. As Christ followers, we find the strength to do the right thing when we're concerned for God's reputation over our own reputation. This, this is how you find strength to engage. If you're living... A godly life, which means a God-referenced life. In other words, your utmost concern as you handle the situations that flow by in life, your ultimate concern is that you please God. If you're living a God-referenced life, then you can be trusted. In the family, you aren't choosing your responses in the moment based on how you feel or your own wisdom or your old way. You're, you're, you're asking God for help and you're trying to get understanding of what he thinks about what's going on and your role to engage. You can trust that. You're trying to bless the people around you. You're not trying to get everything you can out of them. You're trying to bless them. At work, you don't skirt the truth or make promises that aren't realistic to make yourself look good. You know God is watching and you want to stay tethered to the truth because he he wants to hold you to that. He wants you to walk in the truth. He wants you to walk in that way. In ministry, you grow in your understanding of what God will do and what he won't do so you don't guarantee That God is going to do something to help somebody and give false hope. Because God will not override the will of the people around you. So we don't promise more than God promises. If you're living a God-referenced life, you can be trusted because you're living out family life, work, ministry. You're relating to friends and neighbors in a way that can be trusted. It's, it's faithful to God and to the people that you're relating to. Now, I want to walk us through some highlights in the rest of 1 Samuel because we can learn more from David on how to find strength in the moment to do right. There's some really good stuff in here. First, he shows we can draw strength from God by... Engaging challenges as we watch God come through. David is a boyish teenager when he approaches King Saul to fight Goliath. So I'm sure his offer to battle Goliath was met with a brush off of disbelief from King Saul. You know, this little teenage guy, 
Here's a picture that compares the size of David and Goliath. This is from a Sunday school curriculum. I like this. But that's Shaquille O'Neal in the middle. He's, what is he, 7'1"? This is Goliath over here, and that's David. Estimated height, about 5'2", willing to face a guy almost twice his size. They just estimate at his age, and, you know, it's just an estimation. So, he, quite a, the point is, he may have been 5'10", 6 foot, does that really matter? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, Goliath is huge. So, there's a comparison, just to give us a visual. What a mismatch is going on here. So David needs to bolster his credibility, so he explains his training ground to the king. And he says that in the fields as a shepherd, protecting the sheep, God arranged challenges and built his faith through those challenges over time. And David said, in verse 37, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul, he convinced Saul, Saul said, well, he's willing, so let's send him out there. And he convinced Saul, and Saul says, go, and the Lord be with you. God gives us the same kind of training ground. The the challenges that we're facing are, are meant to grow our faith and to build us up. And if we don't engage the challenges, our faith doesn't grow. This, this is the way it works. We may be having trouble in a relationship. It's important to us. The trouble itself is a challenge from God. He wants us to meet it so he can build our faith. The question is, am I going to dance around the issues to keep a synthetic peace, a fake peace? Or will I engage the challenge by asking God to help me respond wisely and appropriately? At work, we face a, a challenge with a project. Maybe it's a challenge with coworkers. We could fudge the truth, and maybe we could get by with it, come out looking good, smelling like a rose, but God would not be pleased with that, and we're on shaky ground. The other option is to ask God for help to do what's right, trusting Him with the outcome. In relationships... We can engage the challenge, ask God for help, and then set out to do what's appropriate and wise in the situation. This is how we build our faith. We have reflexes. I I know I do. My reflexes are not good. I can't trust myself in that situation. And therefore, uh, the people around me can't trust me either if I don't reference God in the choices I make. If I live a God-reference choice, I'm trustworthy. And that's as you choose what God would be pleased with. You grow faithful over time. Your faith grows. And you become more and more of a blessing to the people around you. Dancing around the issues in relationships and fudging the truth is what the Bible calls shrinking back from the challenge. In the back of David's mind, as I was reading this passage, I was thinking about what was going on in his mind. And I think 
One of the things that was rolling around in his mind, I don't know if it was the foremost, I can't read his mind and I can't speak for him, but God promised to give the land they were living in to Israel. And the Philistines were a threat to that promise. And so this is why the threat of the Philistines was such a threat to God's reputation. Because if he couldn't help them hold the land, then he isn't the God that he says he is. So this is why it was so important. David's faith had grown to the point through the challenges in the fields, fighting lions and bears, which sounds scary enough to me. I mean, hey, I'm going to hide behind a sheep if I see a bear. But hey, he was being faithful. So his faith had grown to the point he wasn't going to shrink back from the challenge of the giant man, Goliath. And this brings Hebrews 10, 38 and 39 to my mind. And it, this is an important passage. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. In other words, if you have a challenge on your plate and you shrink back, God is not pleased. If you don't engage the challenge, he's not pleased with that. And that turns out to be the number one factor in that circumstance, whether or not God is pleased with what you choose to do. If you don't engage, if you hold back, God is not pleased. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. When I read this, I think about the Israelites on the edge of the promised land. They were going to have to go in and, and fight for it. That's the way life is. We have to fight to claim the promises of God. And they're on the edge of the promised land. And they send Moses sends spies to check it out. Twelve spies, ten of the twelve come back and they're like, hey, that place is awesome. I mean, it's an amazing land, but the people, they're like giants. But hey, the fruit and the honey and the agricultural situation there is amazing. But oh, my goodness, we're going to have to go to. And so, you know what they did? They shrunk back from engaging the battle, that whole generation of fighting men who were supposed to go into the promised land, they shrunk back. And their excuse was to protect our wives and children. Everyone in their generation, however, paid a price because they shrunk back, especially their families, which was their stated reason for not moving forward. They, they didn't want to move forward because they wanted to protect their families. They ended up shrinking back, chickening out, and their families paid. This is, this meant, since this is Father's Day, men, when you shrink back from the challenges you're facing, you're leading a family, and you shrink back, you chicken out, you think only of yourself, and you don't take responsibility for what's going on in your family, they pay a price. Because as you look at Scripture, the way it is is the man is the leader. He's the one who's responsible for what's going on 
in the family. And basically that means you can't blame anybody else for the mayhem that may be going on. You have to take it on yourself. But what we tend to do as men is, oh, that's scary. I'd have to be vulnerable. I'd have to be humble. I'd have to be willing to look like I don't have it all together here to engage this challenge. And I want to challenge you. Don't shrink back. Don't do that. Step up. Bear the weight. We draw strength from the Lord by engaging challenges day by day and facing them his way. Shrink back and weaken. Rise to the occasion and gain strength in God. The remainder of 1 Samuel is basically the history of David's transition into taking over the kingdom. And there's some great lessons here for us. But this is all taking place before the death of King Saul. And he shows us, another thing he shows us is we can draw strength from God by making sure he is directing us. At one point, Philistines were raiding the threshing floors. Basically, that's where they threshed the grain. They were stealing the Israel's grain. So they were coming in, raiding it, going back to their camp. And David's knee-jerk reaction was to fight. You can tell that's the kind of guy he was. His knee-jerk reaction is to fight, but he does a very wise thing before jumping into battle. He asks God for directions. Look at 1 Samuel 23. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah? And against the armies of the Philistines. So they're, they're a little afraid. And so David wisely inquires of God again. Hey, did I get this right? Is this what you said? I just want to double check. And the Lord answered him, arise, go to Keilah. And I will give the Philistines into your hand. Often we have a goal. And we ask God to bless our plan to reach our goal. We're assuming that he wants the same thing we want. We wrongly expect to give us what we want when we want it using our strategy. The problem is that God has his own ideas about the way life works. He has his goals for us. So we need to make sure that we filter our thoughts, goals, and plans through God's word. Through an understanding of the way he thinks. That's why we need to get into the scripture. Because we soak up the mind of God. We understand how he thinks, how he makes life work. And we check and double check and ask God to direct us as we step into situations. Don't just react to your circumstances. Ask God for help and wisdom before you make any moves to accomplish your goal. Prayer and counsel are crucial here. We can draw strength from God, uh, thirdly, by relying on him alone. Now, at one point in this time frame, David's encampment was routed by the Amalekites. And they had their wives and children with them. They're camped there. The Amalekites come in. 
They raid them. They take their wives and children. His guys, his men, are really upset by this, as you can imagine. But look at what David does. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What, what do you do when people let you down, when they turn on you? Where, where do you go? How, David shows us that there is strength in turning to God and asking for his help. He can, God can strengthen you in the moment if you do that. Here's a prayer of David recorded in Psalm 12:1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from the sons of men. He shows us. Turn to God and ask for help. Ask him to give the help that he, 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 he wants to give. <clears throat> what do you do when people let you down? Do you try to use your old strategies to get them to do what you want? Maybe you pout or blow up in anger or give a cold shoulder or some other favorite strategy. If you turn to God and determine to lead well or to respond well in the situation, he will give you the strength to do exactly what's right. He will help. We can draw strength from God by being generous with his provision. And so... David finds strength in God. He rallies his troops to go fight the Amalekites. And they go do that. They get their wives and children back. That's good. Um, But they not only get their wives and children, they also take a boatload of plunder. So they've got herds and flocks that they've taken from the Amalekites. They're enemies here. And... um, In the backdrop of the passage I'm going to read, there are 200 men who were too exhausted. They got they were they were moving toward the battle with the Amalekites. Two hundred of David's men were too exhausted to fight. And so uh, the passage says the, the passage before the one I'm going to read says the wicked and worthless fellows did not want to share the plunder with the guys who didn't go fight for it. Interesting. Wicked and worthless, selfish, only me and mine. That's who I want to take care of. First Samuel thirty twenty three says, but David said, you shall not do so, my brothers. You should not keep this to yourself. You should not be this selfish with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Here's what David knew. A life of generosity is a life of blessing. If you want to be refreshed, you refresh others. That, that should be the pattern of your life. Jesus himself said, you find your life by giving it away. And the only way to discover this reality is to give. That's how our faith grows. And watch God as he blesses through our giving. It was right to give a portion of the plunder to everyone. David wasn't going to let them be selfish with that. I want to wrap up the message this morning by pointing to this truth. 
Our families are blessed when we fear the right person. This is for the, the, the men, but it's for all of us as well. The Israelites were broken by the challenge of the giant man, Goliath. They were greatly afraid of him. They were broken down by him. We find ourselves in hairy and scary situations. And we must be careful in that situation to fear the right person. Not the people around us, but the God we serve and know. If you're a Christ follower, your concern in that situation is what is going to please the God I know. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 5.29. I love this passage. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. To fear God basically means to respect him to the point you try to please him in the way you live right now. You're not going to be afraid of what other people think. You're not going to be afraid and get pulled into doing what they want that really won't solve the problem. But you fear God and you engage to move forward to do what would please Him. If you want to bless those around you, as a father, if you want to bless the generations to come, Fear God and walk by faith. Let the challenges that you're dealing with right now and that you're facing every day strengthen you in him. Go to him for strength. Find out what he says. Do it his way and let him change you through that. As I wrap up this morning, I want to encourage you to think through a way to respond personally to the message and maybe you want to take a next step. Here are some suggestions as the band comes up to lead us further in singing. Here are some suggestions. My next step today is to draw strength from God by. Maybe it would be one of these. These are the points that I just walked through. Engaging a challenge to see him come through. Maybe there's something you've been sort of shrinking back from. Is there some challenge you need to step up to the plate? need to rise to the occasion and face. Another step, draw strength from God by making sure he's directing me. Uh, I'm confused because it seems like this isn't working well, what I'm doing here. That could be because you, you got the wrong idea. You're not thinking of God's plan and God's way. He's, he's only going to bless as you live his way. So make sure he's directing and then rely on him alone. Maybe you've been looking for support and strength and encouragement from those around you. But you need to go to God. Say, God, I am just broken by this. Would you strengthen me? Would you shore up my heart and help me to engage what I need to engage? God will do that. I, that happens all the time in my own life. He, he will do that. And he will bring people around to encourage. But don't look there first. Look to God. Find your strength in him. And then maybe the challenge is for you to be generous with his provision. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word that really does strengthen us. The stories, the history of your people gives us so much understanding of the way you work. And it's deeply encouraging and fortifying. 
thank you, God, for your word and the strength you give through it. Help us to take steps to please you and bring honor to your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.